Let's do it. Here we go. Matt Chatham, Real Thing Patriots podcast. It's AFC Championship Week. You can hear a little extra juice in my voice. Be the scotch. Or it might just be the idea that we got a big old game here coming up for Patriots Nation, and there's a lot to be excited about. A lot of people didn't think this team would be in this position, but they are. That in and of itself is a tremendous accomplishment. Uh, So I think, I believe it was Jeff Howe, um, maybe uh, Phil Perry. I, I think I've seen a couple other people touch on this throughout the course of the uh, week. Just the notion that the Patriots have, maybe it was Michael Hurley. Sorry if I'm bombing on one of the three of you guys, but one of the really good guys here in the in the market had touched on this. So I just want to make sure that it's clear I'm not stealing this point. Uh, just the idea that they had gotten to here, to, to this point, uh, is, is in itself an accomplishment considering you're a Super Bowl loser. Uh, a very small percentage of people get back to this spot the success rate in the playoffs is usually poor in the in the event that they even make them, uh, and it, there's usually a flop, uh, a flop almost expectation. The year after, it's a lot of stress. It's a shortened off season. You've gotten a beat up roster. You've gotten bombed on in a Super Bowl. In obviously, they did a lot of good stuff themselves, but you come away with that massive disappointment that often sends teams into a spiral or, or sends them, uh, you know, scrambling to make some dramatic change to alter their team to go for it and get over the top. And those things usually don't work. Uh, but this is the this is the slow and steady wins a race uh, organization. The Patriots, they just built it back up. It wasn't a perfect season, but they know how to build. They know how to use the season, the breadth of the year, to make them the kind of teams that can be the kind of team you don't want to end up against on this particular weekend. So they sit in a good spot. They sit in a healthy spot. Uh, they've done quite a bit to get here. Uh, that's more of just a, a pat on their back uh, because it's stressful, man. And I, I can just simply talk, talk about this from a, from as a player standpoint. You know, we, we, we had obviously three seasons following uh, championships. And the first one, you know, that was, that was an absolute uh, rebuild. And this, I'm obviously now talking about when you've won them. Unfortunately, the Patriots didn't win a year ago. But the year after Super Bowls is tough uh, it, because – you got a short off season. You feel like you know there's 30 other organizations. Uh, there's only one other one like you uh, that's that's essentially losing that month that most people are getting. You back at it again. Uh, any surgeries you may have had might have been delayed. Uh, it just it seems it just moves quickly, and, and sometimes your body doesn't quite recover. You, you tend to have more nicks and scrapes and things you're fighting through the year after these things. I can't explain why it just it just happens. Uh, but we were fortunate enough to. To, to win after one. So after two, after we won the second one, we won at the year after that. That was the back-to-back. But after the first one, it was it was really a, a, a scramble and a hard year. I believe it was a 9-7 and seven year. We obviously didn't make it back. The team was completely reloaded the next year to make our, our two-in-a-row run. And it was just a matter of turnover with Coach Belichick, looking for his exact kind of guys. We did the miracle in a one, uh, but that wasn't going to be his long-term roster, and he continued to build it. And in that kind of environment, you know, coming into an offseason here with the massive disappointment of the performance against Philly, you know, there would be that temptation to try to just massively rework this group. But I think the, the, the faith in a lot of people on this roster that may have not garnered public faith, guys like Philip Dorsett, uh, guys that they went out and got like Corderell Patterson, 
drafting a guy like Sony Michelle, uh, continuing to believe that Joe Tooney was going to be an awesome guard uh, that was not some sort of replacement level starter, uh, which is some of the talk that you'd heard uh, a year ago or in the off season, especially with the Isaiah win. You know, Isaiah come in and being the big nice signing. And I think there was the thought that you've just, you know, Isaiah, eh, he's not ready to be a tackle, and they've gone out and got Trent Brown. You know, drop him in there. Tooney's been a nice starter, but, you know, he's not going to be the long-term. I think that was answered. I think they their faith in some of these guys and what they would develop into. David Andrews had a tremendous year. Uh, Tooney, as I said, had a, had a great year. Shaq Mason, a great year. Uh, you know, this is really a roster full of guys uh, that that – I think, by and large, answered a lot of questions about themselves. Uh, now, it's not a perfect roster. I'm not trying to, to build it up that way. But when you don't have Julian Edelman and Hightower a year ago, now you have them both back. Uh, when you, you, know, you didn't have uh, – well, you had Dwayne Allen, but there was a lot of public disappointment, I guess, or whatever, because he didn't catch a lot of passes. And you come over at this number from the Colts, and you used to catch passes there, and you got to catch passes here. And that just didn't end up being his role. And I think there was some disappointment in that from some people. But for me, just watching Tate, man, I'm just happy to have that guy on the roster if you're a Patriots fan. He does his, jo- his job really well, blocks well. He's a great, uh, he's a great compliment. Uh, he's a guy who can slot in and play the Y full time uh, when Gronk needs breaks, and he does occasionally. But, you know, this was uh, – that's sort of my, my, my drive-by with a lot of these personalities, in part just to say that it, it's tough, man, the year after. It's tough the year after, win or lose. And when the people that are answering the bell the year after are a lot of the same faces, that's a pretty big deal. It really is because the temptation is to just clean house or to say, well, that wasn't quite good enough. We need to find all the other people that are good enough. And uh, that wasn't really what went down uh, a year ago in Minneapolis. So they stuck with a lot of guys. A lot of those guys, as I you know, using that same metaphor again, answered the bell. Julian Edelman comes back, has one of his best seasons. We spent a lot of time on him last week. I don't need to break that, uh, to belabor that point because, yeah, he made me look good. He came out and had an exceptional game against the Chargers, goes for over 159 catches, whatever it was. So I pump him up, and he knocked it out of the park. So, Appreciate that there, Jules. But, uh, you know, there's really – there are very few guys that are on this roster that are competing week in, week out that I would say are an out-and-out disappointment. And and even if I did think that about a guy, I don't I don't love the call-out sessions. This isn't that kind of show. Uh, and let's put it this way. There's 53 guys. There's 46 going to game day. You should feel pretty good about the 46 they're bringing week in, week out. Uh, there is not some sort of glaring, man, that guy gets beat each and every week. Man, it'd be great if they find an upgrade for that guy in the offseason. Man, all you have to do is look at the, the, the roster that they obliterated a week ago. And that was not out-scheming necessarily. That was, not, that was physical domination in just about every phase of the game. Granted, the Chargers did go small ball, and that was a, a pretty easy look for the Patriots to beat up on. But the passing game looked great, too. And it wasn't all play action. There was some drop back. There was getting back out out of front under center and some gun stuff with Tommy. And they picked him apart in that as well. So they really showed that they could do just about anything they wanted offensively a week ago. And what that should tell you, and, and this is meant to be sort of a, a transition into the offseason kind of comment, just to remember this. All those guys you don't think are very talented were whooping the hell out of really talented, some top draft drafted uh, defensive backs at the safety position, at the cornerback position, great pass rushers uh, who weren't even getting a sniff. 
those are the guys, the kinds of guys you would love. I mean, I'm obviously being facetious here, but you often hear you would love to get that kind of guy in the draft. Well, that kind of guy is the guy that got beat by the Patriot kind of guy that you're trying so hard to replace a lot of people out there. So just keep that in mind. The idea, if you've been running with it or listening to someone who has been selling this throughout the year, that there is some sort of talent deficit on the New England Patriots roster going against the, one of these quote-unquote super talented rosters like the, like the Chargers have and whooping the shit out of them tells you that that person telling you this was somehow a slow defense or telling you that this was somehow a, a, a talent-bereft team that just had Tom and Bill Belichick dragging them along and keeping them alive. That was a lot of horseshit. That was very poor football analysis. So hopefully now you can see that very clearly. So if we want to have draft conversations, hopefully several weeks from now, uh, and things like that, it won't be to go replace all the holes in the dam. Uh, that you are you are actually going the, the Patriots are this week going against a team in the in the in the Chiefs that have comparable talent to a week ago. They really do. Uh, they've got some better scheming, I think, and they've got a little bit better quarterback. Uh, but it's not as if you know this is some massive step up. This is a step up to a team that split with the team you played last week. They, they, so I shouldn't call it a step up. It's a lateral move. They had they played one game better than the team we saw last week. And, and that the Patriots annihilated. So, uh, granted, they did it at home. I know that makes people leery because you have to now do it on the road. But this is really meant to be sort of a, a, a table setting here for what I want to be an actual shorter show uh, than previous weeks. So what I'm simply saying is the Chargers game is something that you can, you know, lick your finger, put that little mark up on the wall, notch in the belt, scratch on the bedpost, whatever you want to do, but acknowledge that this is a good team with that is loaded with good players. You don't do that to that Chargers team and not have those two things be true. Yet it, we're, we're out of the opinion realm now. We're into the tape realm. And these massively talented, and you can go up and down the line uh, with, with the Chargers personnel, uh, they got destroyed in a lot of one-on-one situations that invariably work all together as the one-on-ones are going on into team plays. So that should tell you that a lot of the year's narrative was a waste of time. The Patriots failed on several occasions throughout this year. And I think a lot of it was just pieces missing at the wrong times. No running game for the Detroit game. No running game for the Jaguars game. Uh, And that hurt them. No Edelman at that time of year. Uh, And the defense was a mess in defending the run from subgroups. They fixed that stuff later in the year. These things are now gone. So I think it's something where you don't want to overreact about personnel. Sure, they got a bunch of draft picks, and I'm sure they will restock the, the cupboards as you need to do. But I think this Chargers game pretty definitively proved that they're not in some sort of rebuild mode. Fine, and this is not happening, folks. I'm not trying to do hot takes here or break news or say anything crazy about the quarterback, uh, Tom Brady. But if Brady wasn't here next year, this is not a roster that needs to be reworked. They would have to figure out what they would do with the quarterback situation. It might mean a high draft pick and a veteran guy or something like that. But you don't have to look at this roster as one that's being burned down because that guy would be gone. And he's not going anywhere, by the way. That was a hypothetical. But... Uh, this team is much closer, is much more full of talent than I think people realize. That is a sterling offensive line. That is a left to right, uh, one of the better groups in all of football. 
They've got a great fullback. They've got a great collection of backs. They've got a baller in Edelman who I know is a little older, but you know what his age is? It's the same as Antonio Brown, who people are out there licking themselves to try to chase him for agency. I don't know if the Patriots would be one of those teams, but Edelman is a bit of an Antonio Antonio Brown light. He does a lot of the same things. He doesn't get quite fed the ball as much, but you can imagine, if they send the ball 12 to 14 times a game, Edelman's numbers might look a lot like Antonio Brown's. Go watch that Chargers game again. It's a lot of the acrobatic, crazy stuff, great catch after the run, stop, start, all over the formation stuff that Antonio Brown does. you got a really good wide receiver in Julian. If you're willing to go for several more years with Antonio at an over 30, well, why wouldn't you still get that out of, out of Julian? I think you need to... People need to step back, press away from the table, and realize the situation here on the offensive weapons is actually pretty damn good, especially with Brady guiding the ship. Hogan's going to be there. He's a free agent. We don't know what's going to go on with that. I hope he makes a great run here in the next couple games. I hope there is a couple games for him to do it, continue to show what he can do. And as we're sort of leaving this point and and, uh, talking a little bit about um, uh, the rest of the crew, it was an interesting week for Corderell Patterson because we knew he was coming off the knee, and I think this serves him really well heading into this Chiefs game. I'll touch on that a little bit more, but Corderell had virtually no role. I mean, there were I believe it was one target, no catch. Uh, had a one carry or just a couple, something like that. Light, light usage, right? And because he was a bit of a question mark coming to the game, it was great to have him up, but he wasn't some heavy jet motion usage, usage guy. Uh, and why like that? Now you get another week of health. And now he can be, but you have a most recent week of tape where he wasn't shown to be. So maybe you get some people on the other side falling asleep or a little bit surprised if they come out and see 18 snaps of that or 22 snaps of that or something. So they get a lot of things working in your favor and Dorsett stepped up, played well, had a great catch there on the touchdown. Obviously that was schemed well, but also stepped up on a few other receptions Four catch game. That's exactly what we're talking about. That's two first rounders, one out of quarter one out of Phillip, not this team's first round draft picks, but that level of talent that they walk around on the city streets with and what they take to bed with them each and every night. Those are talented human beings. They've done a lot. Uh, and now they sit in a great place to go affect an AFC championship game. And uh, I think you got to be happy about that. So now let's move to the other side. The Chargers game is dead in a way. As I mentioned, uh, that's a scheme thing that won't translate. Uh, the Chargers went with a goofy small ball, and the Patriots packed it in, walked all over them. And then even from the bigger people, were willing to spread it out occasionally or even go into gun. In and out of it, they had no answers. I look at that a little bit, a little bit. A little bit like the whole uh, issue with uh, the Baltimore Ravens from two weeks ago. You know, what could we take from that Ravens game with the Chargers? I don't know that. I, I highly suspect, and knowing Bob Sutton, by the way, Bob Bob Sutton was my coach with the Jets. He's a linebacker coach. Was a defensive coordinator there. Uh, I, I think I know how Bob thinks a little bit. I've, I've been in that room and been in the war room with that guy, and he's a really bright coach, and he knows how to put a game plan together. And I think he's going to look at what the Chargers did and go, what the hell are you doing? You know, they're not going to come out there with two two defensive backs, one at Mike and one at Will, standing four yards over over uncovered guards. That is suicide in football. They, you do not do that. So uh, the Chargers' plan was foolish, in my view. They had a cornerback playing outside linebacker over Rob Gronkowski at times. I mean, it was ridiculous. So I say all that to say, much like we didn't study the – the Chargers defense and how they handled Baltimore's offense. Well, Baltimore's offense is weird because the quarterback is unique and there weren't going to be any pistol plays for the Patriots. So there was no reason to watch run around quarterback and, and, and pistol 
uh, pistol sequences in the back. It just didn't make sense. And I think a lot of that's going to be the same way here. You're not, the Chiefs aren't going to spend any time watching what, what uh, the Chargers did on defense. They've got to have their own plan, and it is probably more of a spinoff of what they tried to do but weren't so successful with the first time around. So learning the lessons that way, maybe picking and purging a few things that some other people did, like maybe the Steelers, uh, maybe potentially Miami, although, man, they got a lot put on them there too. It was more situational wins for them, but, hey, that's okay. They can they can look into it and say, hey, here's the red zone stuff we like from them. It actually worked pretty well with them. Hey, here was their two-minute um, two plan. Let's pur- you know, Let's pluck from that. Uh, oh, here's their four-minute. Uh, you know, that actually worked pretty well, and that's really where the Patriot fails have been. So that's kind of why I wanted to make that point to you folks. It's uh, As much as anything, uh, in, I'm, I'm sort of aiming for about a 30-minute show here, and we're about halfway done. I didn't want this to, to present this, to build this up to you all as, hey, Chatham's here. It's the Real Thing Patriots podcast. Been waiting all week to hear this thing. What's the answer to beating the Chiefs? What's the magical game plan? Well, I've sort of talked all around the dial here and just sort of randomly touched on certain points. But the one point I want you to walk away from here, if you, if you, if you forget everything I've said leading up to now and anything that comes after it, remember this point. And this is something as a player, uh, when you're in the NFL, uh, you may have a sense of, you know, uh, when the playoffs were new to me or even after I'd been through the, the sequence several times. You, you know, it's, hey, I've had this great regular season of 16 weeks. We earned our way here. Uh, oh, man, we won in the divisional. Now we have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, okay, let's go to that team meeting. We'll go to that first big defensive meeting. Let's get our game plan. Give me the uh, the water boy spiral binder thing uh, with the magical play calls for this week because this is the biggest game. Let's pull out all the stops. Well, that's not it. And uh, that's the lesson. The lesson is there is not a magic game plan as the games get bigger. As the games get bigger, you've played more games. And this is a really big message that comes from Coach Belichick. He doesn't walk in on these team meetings and say, oh, boys, we've made it now. We're in the AFC championship game. Um, I'm going to go to the safe. I'm going to unlock the golden playbook, the one that I never touch until it becomes this serious. I'm going to go get the magic plays, the magic defense, the shutdown one that we have that can stop anyone, but it can only be unleashed once a year on the full moon, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I'm obviously being a dumbass here and, and, and building it up that way and joking about it that way, but if there were an impression that you, you, there is some magic thing that they're now going to do because the moment has risen, it's not that, and, and I think that's a fun lesson to learn. I think it's something that you you go through a player, and you're like, oh, well, we're pretty much doing the same stuff we always do. Aren't we going to do some, you know, Statue of Liberty stuff, or you know, like uh, I don't know, we're going to triple team one guy and half team another? I mean, I'm joking, but I, I mean, like, what's the crazy new plan? And you don't have one because here's the thing, and this is Belichick's message over and over again: you played 16 weeks. You got 16 weeks of tape out there. There's nothing new we can do. You know, we might have one little wrinkle. We might, you know, throw an Edelman pass to to, to, uh, to Danny Amendola. Awful look we've already done, you know, 20 times this year. We just haven't done the next progression in that play. But we're not going to go drive up and draw up a new play. We're not going to go draw up an entire new defense. We're not going to start covering this tight end with this cornerback. We're not going to start using our linebacker as free safety. We're not going to ask our right defensive end to stand on his head as a left defensive tackle. I mean, we're just, we have used these 16, now 17 games to build up 
this uh, reputation of ours, this, to build up sort of an MO, to build up uh, a resume of what we do best. What winning at this stage and at the next one, if you make it, is all about is picking your best stuff and making sure you're putting your best stuff forward and also provided that it matches uh, the, the challenge that's across from you if it happens to be a unique one or different. If it's not, it's really just accentuating who you are and executing. Uh, and that's really the beauty of this. You, you watch more film at this hour. You watch more film in the AFC Championship game than you maybe ever have uh, because you just don't want to leave any stone unturned. But you know what you end up watching when you're watching more film? Kind of a lot of the same stuff. <laughs> it's it's It might be sad. I mean, it's sort of like really, really studying the 50 states and all their capitals or whatever. <laughs> like at some point, you know the 50 state capitals. It's just reviewing to make sure it's burned another skin layer deep, I guess. So I, I think that's really important to understand really for both sides. Because if you're trying to figure out that, hey, you know what? Kansas City Chiefs offense is so prolific. I need. I want to hear what Chatham says about how to magically stop them. Because you know what? It's been 16 weeks, guys, 17 with another. Nobody's held them below, I believe, 25 on the year. So you're not going to have a magic game plan that's going to do that. Maybe you get lucky and do. Maybe you, you know, you're off a score than most. It's probably not going to happen. But So what you need to do is you need to control them. Now, granted, we, we had the whole greatest show on turf thing, held them to a 17-point game, I believe it was. And I get that that's going to make people think that, hey, you can flip and go half of someone's average or something in the big game. It's certainly possible, but that's not what you're planning for. You're planning to put your best foot forward. You're planning not to concede any of the easy stuff that they've been getting against other people. And that leads me to the more particular points of, of we'll do five minutes here on each side of the ball. And why am I being quick? Because I don't want to be late. I don't want to bury you with points. I want you to sit down and watch this AFC championship game and remember each of the little things that we've talked about through the year and highlight the big concepts and principles and things they do best and things they struggle with. And remember, AFC championship games, playoff games in general, but then also the Super Bowl is all about highlighting, accentuating, staying away from the stuff you suck at and really, really hammering on the things you're good at. So defensively with the Chiefs game, I think, uh, I think one of the biggest things you have to do is go back and understand honestly what the other game was. And for the Patriots, it was a, a game where there's a bit of a phony number on the scoreboard in the first half. Granted, they kept them down off the scoreboard, but there were two massive missed opportunities on two passes. Hunt completely uncovered, and they miss him up the seam. Uh, and then the other fail left side, I'm blanking on the name that was involved. But two stalls, two missed opportunities, couple incompletions down there that were like, whew, kind of blew that one, but whew, we dodged a bullet. So I don't like to get too chest puffy about the box score from the Patriots' first game. They played pretty good. They played a pretty good half of defense, but there's also a couple dodge bullets there that very easily could have gone the other way. So you don't like to think that just the result was also a simple function of, of, of a great defensive play. In a couple instances were actually some bad ones that, that didn't you know they didn't have to they didn't have to answer for. And uh, that's okay. And that doesn't mean that oh look out it's they're they're on the precipice of getting bombed on here now. Uh, because those two scores will happen this time around. No, 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 no. That's not it at all. Uh, the, the, the gates did open a bit in the second half, and I think those lessons are learnable. I think they're fixable. I think a lot of them are things they no longer do uh, with with as much, or at least they don't handle with as much problems as they did at that stage of the season. 
one of them, and I'm shielding here a little bit from my column in The Athletic, uh, this is to me very, very important. Uh, and this to me is, is I'll place my chip down. I'd say my bet, I think that the, I think confidently that this was discussed, emphasized in practice, in the game, and I think that I'll be able to find it uh, when I watch back the AFC Championship. And that's no more free lunch. And that's a Patriots point from the first time. And what I mean by no free lunch, it's also a point from the Colts defense. The Colts defense was abysmal in their approach in the first half against the Chiefs. And what I mean by no free lunch is you've got a couple unique elements, two, maybe three, arguably, with Sammy Watkins. Uh, but with Tyreek Hill and with, Chase, and with Kelsey, not Jason Kelsey, uh, with Travis Kelsey, you've got two uniquely skilled guys relative to their position. Tyreek is faster than everyone else that plays what he plays. And Kelsey is more agile than anyone that plays what he plays. So those two pieces are what they are, and they need to be respected but handled a certain way. When you, when you talk about those two guys, and I've got a season's worth of notes. I haven't watched every game they've played, but probably two-thirds of the Chiefs games. Or more than half, let's put it that way. And I'm especially trying to emphasize the ones where they just knocked it out of the park and then also looking back at the ones where, hey, they struggled a little more here. You know, they, they, they didn't just blow the doors off. This wasn't a 500 uh, yard offense day. This was like a, a cumulative high threes, you know? So wait a minute, there's something else going on here. Let's, let's dig in and why. And what that is, is the no free lunch thing that I'd mentioned. Uh, You cannot, as the Colts did, as the Patriots did at moments in that second half, and even in some of the moments of the first half in the first contest, let defensive backs soft drop or, or, or press bail, in other words, catch, and not actually jam, not actually be physical in any way, shape, or form. Essentially not touch, invite recess with these fast targets in the passing game. It's a timing offense. Not every offense in the NFL is a strict timing offense. This one pretty much is. There's an RPO ang- element to it that pops in sometimes. There's a read option element that's in there a lot. There's a lot of just straight play action. And there's a lot of it where when he pulls out the play action, he's looking for one or two very specific things, as Patrick Mahomes. And when you know that you're across from a very prolific but very much timing-based group, man, you got to disrupt the timing. You can't concede the timing. That's what my column was about. I'm advocating you to get that subscription, go over to The Athletic and look at it. But I wanted to pull out hairs that you all know I don't have on the top of my head when I would see these games and say, yes, Travis Kelsey is having a hell of a year, but would someone please touch him? He's just walking off the line into his route, turning around and sitting and being thrown to. He's you know in the moments where he's getting man coverage, no one jammed him at the line. I mean, watch. No, I'm not going to do the grunt comparison thing. It's just, it's a rabbit hole I don't want to go down. But let's put it this way. That is a skilled man. You can't just let him run into his routes. You can't just let him sashay out of his cuts. You can't just let him run the first 10 yards without being breathed upon. That's crazy. I know that illegal contact is called more tightly now. So what? Use the first five yards. Use the chuck zone. Beat that man up. It can be done. He doesn't want to be near the core and, and block, and that's okay. He's a big wide receiver, and there's no shame in that. He doesn't have to be ashamed. He's a, he's really good at what he's asked to do. He's exceptional at what he has to do. He's he's earned that all pro all pro nomination this year. He had an awesome year at what he's asked to do, and that's just to get off the line. He's hidden in formations. He's extended. They use him all over the place, and so frequently this guy isn't touched. 
go be physical with that guy. And, and it, it often helps if the defensive end does it because he doesn't have the coverage responsibility. But I'm going to be watching that there for that very much. It doesn't matter what the coverage is. It doesn't matter necessarily what the front is. Uh, if you see Travis Kelsey, knock him down. Knock him backwards. Knock him off his, his stride path. Make him, uh, make Patrick Mahomes look somewhere else. Make him get off of his off of his landmark. Make him have to scramble to return to where he's supposed to be, and then watch Patrick go away to someone else. It happens all the time. And well, it doesn't happen all the time because he's not done. He's not jammed that often. But in the moments where he does, it's virtually a hundred percent. With good jams comes checks. It checks out of it. It's just it's it's how it works, and it drives me nuts when I see people concede it. And the Colts conceded it over and over and over again. And the Patriots did some of it, but you know when they didn't? When they got the interception, I believe that was right before halftime. Dante Hightower jams him up, full two seconder. You know, completely disrupts the route. He's off course. Mahomes wanted it, didn't get it. Now he's back it further into sort of his progressions, looking back through the coverage. And, yo, because of that little pause, that little extra second, oh, now i got to spin back and find something else. Rush gets there. Oh, Rush has flushed him, and guess who fills in with the, uh, with the, with the secondary rush? Well, the guy that jammed. Hightower jams him up, ruins the route, ruins the play. Now Mahomes scrambling, and Hightower's the one that gets the pressure, and Mahomes throws the pick. Under duress, he can throw some crazy balls. Don't need to down-talk him like that or about anything. You don't have to sell this guy short. He throws some of the sickest balls in football. This guy's like Ichiro. You know, it's just sick. The ball's bending. He's all over the place. It's cool. It's new. It's like nothing anyone's ever seen. But he's he's a – how should I say this? He's a – uncapitalized on mistake waiting to happen, if that makes any sense. I don't know. That phrase needs work. I don't think we're going to be copywriting that one or trademarking that one, excuse me. But he, there are often times where the confidence builds in this guy, and you can see it. And he's earned it. I mean, he goes out and he smokes you on a few drives. They walk right down the field. They're dealing, and he's dealing left, right, and other, you know, hitting every other target here. Uh, and Tyreek Hill is jogging through the secondary because nobody wants to try to touch him and jam him for worrying about him slipping beyond. Uh, but in those situations, when things start rolling, Mahomes gets he gets a little lackadaisical. His ball security is bottom half, in my view, of the quarterbacks you threw through the season. This is a guy that the Patriots can get after. He's loose with the ball at the back of the pocket. He'll fumble. He's also somebody that will you know, get enticed by, hey, I'm going to throw a cool pass now. And he'll force it to safeties. Four that I counted, five would be arguable in this uh, Colts game a week ago where the ball was in the other side's hands and they didn't make the play. And that in me, that to me is, is why a lot of times stats kind of don't mean a lot. They don't mean a lot. Uh, his, his rating, uh, the day that he had, it was a good day. It was a winning day. They had a positive day. Clearly the, the Chiefs were, were ultimately dominant in that game against the Colts, although there were moments where it looked like it could have gone the other way if the Colts would just get out of their own way. But it didn't. So a positive day for him, a winning day, an advance in the playoffs kind of day, but also a day that's shown on tape that an an opposing defense, and this isn't just the Patriots, any opposing defense that would watch that tape has got to be saying to themselves, has got to be doing drills, has got to be hammering in their ball disruption periods in practice. The ball's going to be there. Don't, this is not a week for PBUs. This is a week to, to reach with the, with the onside arm, with the near arm and frame it. Put the second hand up. 
This is a week to go get the ball. Ball awareness is should be very important. Why? Because a lot of quarterbacks don't throw that ball. A lot of quarterbacks don't try the super tight window stuff. A lot of quarterbacks just you know don't have that level of confidence that this guy does. He's earned the confidence, but I think it puts him in some spots that are just waiting upon uh, to be capitalized. And the Patriots did. And, and it was a big part of the loss uh, that, that, that they were able to, to, to pin on the Chiefs the first time. The turnovers killed Kansas City. It absolutely hurt them, even though they put up a big number. And remembering that one of those numbers is, is, the, is the special team's touchdown, or a big, a big driver in one of those, is that, that huge, unfortunate kick return. But moving sort of uh, to put a bow on the defensive uh, effort. Reroutes, physical play. I put up eleven videos. I know this is a I know this is a podcast, and it's not going to be as compelling to me telling you, "Hey, just hit him." Hey, just hit him. I mean, that sure is like, "Oh, sure, Chad, whatever." Watch the videos, please. Go to my column this week in the Athletic. It drops on Friday morning, which I believe is also when this pod is going to hit. Uh, and watch the videos. Show you what I'm talking about. Show you the 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 dramatic difference between just backing out and letting them run to where they want to run, and seeing if Patrick can hit him. Or disrupting him and making him go through his progressions. It, it's a night and day kind of thing. And a lot of teams just don't get to that. And I have to give him credit. It's not just, hey, so easy. His former player says, just do this, just do that. I know that can be annoying as well. And what the fuck do I know, right? That kind of thing. I, com- I, I completely get that that should probably be a rebuttal to when you hear me say something like that. Uh, but what and what and here's why I understand that some teams don't, but I don't think it's the right decision when it gets to be back against the wall. Season's over, you don't do to something different, and it's this because they use so much misdirection, because there's a, a an, often an RPO element, there's often a read option element, and play action is big in what they do. There's a big sideways left to right with Tyreek Hill and the jet motion stuff, and he's the fastest human being uh, in an NFL uniform. So that takes people's eyes and takes people's attention away from the little things. And that's what the challenge is here this week for the Patriots. Can, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the goofy Andy shit, can you still do the little things? That's the test this week. And it's a big test. It's not an easy test. It's not, hey, just do this, it'll be simple. It won't be simple. It's hard to jam Tyreek Hill. But you have to do that hard thing well. And that's just, when you get to the highest level, the tasks are going to be difficult, but you have to accomplish them. It's not easy to cover and jam Travis Kelsey, but you have to do it. You can't take him from eight yards off, allow him to build, and then cut away from you. That's just like Gronk uh, of old. When, when Gronk would just build on a guy, and he's six six, and they throw it away from the defensive back. No matter how tight he was to the back hip, he can't reach it. And that's Travis Kelsey. And he's a really good run with a catch guy for a tight end. He's slick. He's got quick feet. He does all those things. But you have to challenge them. It's that stage. We're there now. So the, the one thing that you're going to say, curiously, Chatham never touched upon, was the run game. And, and I think that that's clearly very important. And I got a lot of respect for Damian Williams. I was tweeting about him a little bit last week. I've noticed this the last couple. I actually played him a little bit in some of the DFS stuff, and he did well for anyone who, did, who used him out there as well. But uh, it's his run style that has to be respected. He's a downhill, gets hit at two yards, falls forward and gets five guys kind of guy. And those guys, those guys can be tough, especially on a slick field, especially on a maybe not frozen because they've got the, the heated field thing now, but a cold field, a cold environment. Uh, you don't want these plays that should be twos and threes turning into sixes and sevens. And in full disclosure, 
There's a good amount of that on tape with the Patriots this year. That's one of the chinks in the armor. Uh, that the tackling has been good as far as not having the tackle be missed, but there have been uh, bids or bouts, we'll say, of hit it to end up at six. And uh, you got to cut that out. And that the Miami game was one of the worst of that with Drake and, uh, and Gore. Uh, where there was a lot of early contact and fall forward, and that's not so far away to where it would be, be presumed to be a done thing. And Damian Williams kind of runs a little bit like Gore. Uh, a lot of fall forward, a lot of hard charging, a lot of low leverage, uh, a lot of uh, keeps moving on contact and, and slips a lot of it and gets more. And that's something that has to happen because we're talking about all – I've talked about all this stuff about jam Kelsey, jam – Jam Hill, carry and, 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 and disrupt Watkins, win at 50-50 balls with that guy, uh, and just don't get stacked. But all that stuff is obviously predicated on this, not, this stuff not coming on a second and two, not coming on a second and three, because they got just too much of a chunk on a, on a read option play, stuck in his belly, stuck with it, and, and, and Williams falls forward for too many. You can't have that. So... It's really important. I wanted to kind of frame all of these things with with that kind of in mind because I, I think obviously those two things are complementary. And one of the, the the things that you should understand is as we leave this defensive talk uh, conversation, a lot of the really good things that the Patriots have done in the last two weeks of the regular season where they get into regular defense, you get to see Danny Shelton again, you get to see the big guys. Hightower setting edges really nice and even playing some Mike at times. Uh, you know, they've got this new mix of dudes. Claiborne played this week against the Chargers. But all these different things are moving pieces in and out, and the defense is starting to look better. The difference with the Chiefs is they're going to live in 11 personnel. There's going to be three wide receivers on the field. Uh, the stuff that the Patriots have done a really good job in stopping the run in isn't the stuff that's going to be in the Chiefs game. Short yardage, they'll bring the tie, two tight ends in. Short yardage, you may see a fullback on the field. Short yardage, you'll get to play regular. But out in the down sequences, you're not going to against the Chiefs. You just It's very unlikely. Their strength is to spread you out. And that does put some stress on the Patriots' defense. God bless, sounds like Dietrich Wise is back. And, man, he's a good guy to have in sub. He's the longest human being you got. Uh, Ufamba Kamalu, I hope I got that right. Was inactive last week. It'll be interesting to see if he's up this week. Having a 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", whatever that guy is, 300-pounder, that's helpful in a retrace situation. So maybe not as necessary last week. Maybe he's the flop in now because they're going to have to trace, play the run uh, from a spread-out situation, which means get in your taller, longest, biggest bodies. And in those kind of worlds, yeah, like a, a, a Fambu Kamalu, I'm, I'm, I'll probably say his name 17 different times, uh, 17 different ways. Uh, but those kind of body types work better when the formation gets more wide and the quarterback can run up through those gaps than, say, with a guy like Malcolm Brown. When it's was last week was tighter, you bunch things in, and uh, you know he plays more true defensive tackle. This is going to be the athletic longer guy week, in my view. We'll see if the Patriots agree with me. I have no clue on that. But I'll be interested to see if Kamala's involved. I'll be interested to see if Wise is back and healthy. I think that's a huge thing, whether it be from setting the edge. Uh, you know, having someone who's long and can also stride quickly, even if it's just a few strides, to flatten out those Tyreek Hill jet, jet sweeps. But the running game challenge is not just 
the running game. Like you would say, oh, stop the run, stop the run. No, it's different. This is way different than the than the last two weeks of the regular season. And the Chargers, shoot, they had 19 yards rushing on the day. They didn't get started in the first two series. We didn't even get a chance to talk about what they can or can't do in the run game. So um, I just wanted to present that in sort of a full disclosure kind of situation. The Chiefs are a new and different challenge. It's in sub, you'll live in sub. And that'll be a little bit more, quite frankly, like the Steelers game. Steelers game with a much more mobile quarterback. That's what it is, and 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 a and a, and a faster guy at one of the spots, uh, in Tyreek Hill, and a little bit a little bit more going on at the at the tight end position. But that's the challenge. It's different. It's different than the last three weeks, really. So we'll see if they can handle it. Um, hopefully, they've learned the lessons. B Flow has been dialing them up the last few weeks, and they seem to have all learned their lesson. And uh, we'll see what Belichick's got for this young rookie quarterback. Hopefully, something special. But as I mentioned, it won't be new. It'll just be repackaged. <laughs> Love that stuff. So anyway, we're going to finish this up here, though, with what the offense needs to do. And I think this is the one that has worried fans uh, maybe the least this week. And I, I worry is, is really not what this season is supposed to be about anyhow. Folks, you're supposed to be enjoying this. And I think if you're a fan of this show, it's more about enjoying, embracing, appreciating the game of football, appreciating all, appreciating all that goes into it, appreciating the details. This is a detailed show. I'm going out of my way to spend all these hours watching back several games for both of the teams so that I can give you tidbits. I can't give you, uh, you know, 10 minute breakdown each guy, which we could do, but this would be a four, four or five hour show. We can't do that. But I do want to give you some stuff that's real that you can use if you're watching. If you're, if you're, if you're paying attention to this game, I want you to pick up on a few of these things I've said. Do you notice one of these defensive backs, Jonathan Jones, or somebody flattening somebody in a route, Hightower flattening someone in a reroute, one of the defensive ends saying, screw it, I don't need to rush upfield this time. I'm flattening the back. I'm flattening Tyreek Hill. I'm going to play Willie McGinnis on this snap. I'm doing that. Now, on the offensive side of the ball we're talking about now, I want you to pay attention to the little things here because I think it's little things weak. Really is a theme across the entire team. And offensively, that's blocking. I know that's lame and I know it's boring, but you are on the road in a very hostile place, a tough place, a loud place, as they say, a place with very little room around the corners of the end zone. That's something that's always bothered me about Arrowhead. The fans are like right on top of you. And if you, you know, I only see it on punts or something, or if we're on goal line defense and backed up, but there's not much room about beyond that back corner. You see a fade go back there and guys hit the wall. It's, it's right there on top of you. But that also lends to, to sort of enhancing, uh, enhancing the environment because it, it puts people closer and there's a sound shield there. So um, what, I, what I want you to pay attention, though, is in a place like that where it's so tough, where it's so difficult uh, to, to get the operation tight and not become distracted, um, if you're not a group of pros, which the Patriots clearly are, their messaging has been on point this week, put us in a pool, put us in a parking lot, put us on the moon, let it be 100 below, let it be 100 above, we don't care, I don't need a helmet, give me a ball, give me a place to play, and we'll do it. That is perfect messaging. Now, you have to go out and execute it. It can just be a week of perfectly aligning yourself with the sloganeering. It has to carry to the field, and that's what matters. So you need them to show up with that attitude, and that's what everyone clearly will be looking for. But why I care about the little things more in the tough environments is because I, you know, having gone through it, having to remember some little thing about my technique uh, against, 
you know, the guy that I'm going to go against in special teams, the guy that I have to block on punt, the guy that I'm going to go against on punt return, the guy I kick. You always know who you have. You always know what the intent of the return is, but just finding some little extra detail in the way that you block him, the length of time you block him, the leverage with which you over-accentuate to make sure you make that block, the way that you show your butt or show some leverage or work with the guy next to you who's blocking his guy to show uh, sort of the space to Troy Brown, or in this instance, Julian Edelman, to show them to Kay Falk, hey, we've got this guy and we're driving him, read me, let's work together. That's the little stuff. So when, you're, when we're talking offense here, Chris Hogan, you know, going out and hustling his ass off from one set of numbers to the other side to hit someone to break free for a block. There's stuff like that all over on tape with Chris. He is an extra, he has a really good work ethic in game. He's a hustle guy. And I know that that lends itself to some sort of stereotype because of his skin color. It's not that, but it is kind of the way he plays. His toughness is evident. His want to is evident. And when you get Corderell Patterson on the field, he just seems happy to have reps. And he's going to be a little guy. or Not a little guy. He's a big guy. He's going to be a guy that does the little things. And I love that about him. That's why I love to see him get a a carry. He's going to do something with it. Get him a target. He's going to do something with it. But this little thing stuff... That's the importance. That's your key. It's not some blueprint or massive thing to how to get to 40 points. The Patriots are diverse. They've got 100 different ways to come at you. The Chargers game film should be terrifying if you're Bob Sutton and, the, and those Chiefs guys looking it over. Because you got Eric Berry back, yay, and he's a tremendous player, and he's back from injury, and that's a great story. But his usage was as a, as a purported uh, uh, Gronk stopper, and that was in the, the Chiefs game to kick things off a year ago. But do they want to use up that asset that way now? If Gronk's just in there grinding away at defensive ends and kicking butts against outside linebackers in the box and then occasionally sneaking out and making a big play, I think their approach has to change. If you just want to send Eric Berry chasing him around the formation all day, that that helps the Patriots immeasurably. Sure, clear him off. Clear him off for a guy that, that the Patriots have been targeting less than five times a game. That, that would be when Patriots. Um, but what I would like to see is – you know, when we talk about this show, we talk on this show next week, and hopefully it's a it's a preview show for a Super Bowl. We talk about all the little things that got done. Uh, you know, no operation penalties. Completely clean. Went straight through things without a single holding call, without a single false start, without a single illegal motion, without a single 12 man on the field, without any of that stuff, without a, without an illegal pick, without, uh, you know, without a drop pass that was batted into someone else's hands and was intercepted, without an interception from Tom, without a, without a, a, a ball security issue of his own. And remember, this was in that Chiefs game where he had a turnover himself, which, you know, gave an extremely short field and was kind of easy points. Again, I think people see the 40-burger that, that the Chiefs did put up in that game and forget that really one of them was given away by the offense and one of them was given away by the kick return or the kick coverage team. So what was actually bled from the offense themselves wasn't as bad, was, was better than what most just about everyone else has done against that group for the year. But you still end up at 40, so it's still a problem. you got to make sure those other things don't happen uh, so you don't get back to that, to that realm. But I think if you're the Patriots, it's, it's a great week to be a pro. And what I mean by that, it's a great week to really care about the little things in your job. It's a great week for Trent Brown to just drill in and say, you know what, I ain't jumping off sides this week. You know what, I'm, I'm going to kick this guy's ass. I'm going to put a couple of these dudes a foot into the turf, as I did against the Chargers. I'm going to take this man's soul, and I'm going to wipe, you know, I'm going to wipe this field and get red paint all over it because with, with, with this guy across from me, because you know what, 
it's it's come to that. I'm here now. I'm bigger than everyone out here. I'm 350 pounds. I ain't jumping off sides. There's not going to be a false start. I don't give a shit that it's loud. I've heard loud. I've heard loud. I was in Pittsburgh. It was loud. I had a bad day that day. Not, not my best day anyway. But I'm not going to do it now. So I, I think if you really, you'll be able to watch and see if the guys are tuned in, locked in that way. If they lock in on guys like that, there's ample uh, ample uh, ability and ample talent and, and ample want to on that group to just really get this thing done and blow through and, and really open some eyes. They were open against the Chargers, but I think they're open and hoping. Let's put it that way. Open that they're for real, but hoping that the Chargers make that nightmare of the Patriots in the Super Bowl each and every year go away for the rest of the country. So that is where we are. I'm not going to give you some massive, hey, hit James White 12 times, and hey, make sure you run more screens, and hey, I need Julian at eight targets, and hey, Sony Michelle needs a 26 touch, or hey, Gronk needs his four. And, hey, it's not that. It's the little things. It's penalties, absence of, operation, absence of, uh, ball security issues, none of them. Uh, it's Tom being the, the world's greatest manager, which he is, and that is a compliment. It is not a derogatory statement. NFL pro quarterback is a management position, the number one management position in professional sports, and you got to have a clean day and be the leader it is. Uh, the moment can't be bigger than you, and fortunately they've got a lot of big people on that side of the ball that are that I don't think will wilt in that environment. they got to compete. It's going to be a challenge. Going to have to handle Ford. Going to have to handle Houston. Going to have to handle Eric Berry. And going to have to go to work on those linebackers at the backs. There's talent over there. There's always talent. Chris Jones is a problem. But if you can run the ball down the throat, you're going to slow down that pass rush. That's no different than a week ago. So we will watch it. We will watch it closely, and we'll break every down. And we'll break down all the component parts a week from now. But I say this as my closing comments, and this is not to take steam this is away from you. This is not to take enthusiasm away from you from the game. It's to respect the opponent, and because after a whole lot of study, a lot of hours looking at it, this is how I feel, and it's not to make you feel bad. It's simply how I feel, and it's i got to give an honest and objective analysis here. I do this each and every year, especially as the games get bigger. I like to talk about it in these kind of terms. The Patriots, if they played team blank, whoever we're talking about, and and I believe if I'm quoting myself correctly from a year ago, I thought the Philadelphia Eagles were a damn good team. But I thought if the Patriots played the Eagles, it was a six wins out of ten for the Patriots. Maybe six and a half, arguably. I was shocked with how poorly the defense played, especially sub-run defense a year ago. And it just opened up so many things. But I still feel like... I can safely say without any, because I played for them bias, just simply looking at blue team on tape, looking at green team a year ago on tape. It was a six and four. It was a six and four. And for somebody that, that loves the world of, of wagering and likes looking at things through that lens, that's, a, that's an honest lens. I think this is a year where it's, uh, and you go back before that, the, the Falcons, I thought that was a seven three. I thought that was a 7-3 team. 7 out of 10, the Patriots are going to win that. Uh, and the Patriots dug an absolutely astounding hole that they had done at no other point during the year, and that had dig that thing out and win it in historic fashion. So, you know, it could have been one of those three, and it very nearly was. But you end up on one of what I would believe comfortably, even with my own money and my own kids' tuition kind of thing, I'm joking, but uh, would think it's more of a 7. I set that table up to tell you that I think the Chiefs are a 5. I think this is a 50-50 proposition. I do. And if that makes you more nervous, I apologize. But I, I got to fully disclose here. 
The Chiefs have been good on tape. They have. Uh, the Chiefs have had step-back moments, but their step-back mom- step moments are low 20s or mid-20s numbers. Their step-back moments are close games against good teams. Their step-back moments have not been two-score stinkers. Uh, the closest to the two-score thing was with Baltimore uh, in the first meeting. So uh, that's something that you have to respect, and you have to expect that, you know what, uh, they're good. And you know who else is good? The Patriots are good. And does the venue bother me? No, don't care about that. Don't care about that one bit. Don't care about the record on the road. That doesn't matter. This is a one-game tournament. Did the Patriots have the ability and the personnel to control the conditions there? Yes. Offensive line, it's like walking in with five brandly new tuned tanks that gives you the artillery uh, with, with – let's put it this way. I'm using too many military metaphors here. You come in very well protected, and, and that's the very best thing you can have going for you. Faith in the weapons, but very well protected. You can weather the storm. I, I like that about going in. But I'm saying this and saying that that's a roster with, the, with a lot of capability over there uh, across from you. You play them 10 times. It might be a 50-50 thing, and that's even, you know, it, it, we hope it doesn't go this way. And I have faith, and I will be picking the Patriots to win. Uh, but it's not to say this is somebody that if they play at their best and the Chiefs play at their best, the Patriots win by two scores. And I feel that way generally about everyone else they played than this particular team. The Chiefs pretty good. So we'll see what happens. Now the defense, I get it. They struggle. But they end up in a lot of kind of games because their offense is so prolific that uh, I don't know if it's more of a chaser mode or if it's a legitimate problem. I think the Patriots can put 40 on this defense. I don't, I'm not particularly moved by performance against the Colts offense that just looked atrocious. But you do have to at least appreciate uh, that the Colts have taken a, or excuse me, the Chiefs have taken a positive step forward with that defense. That isn't the same crew uh, that other moments of the year looked really bad, like number 32 bad. Uh, they're better, and they put a good positive foot forward. But that wasn't the Patriots, though, they were facing. So I go into this with enthusiasm and excitement just because it's playoff football. And I feel good about the Patriots team and what they're going to be able to put out there. We'll see how it all shakes out. But mostly, enjoy the game. Look for the details. Enjoy the details. Have a blast with this thing. It's been a fun year, folks. But it ain't over. We got a chance for another couple weeks. So go Pats. That's the Real Thing Patriots podcast. I'm Matt Chatham. Get after it. Go get him an arrowhead. All we got all together. I'm I'm all I'm all sloganed out. What are we doing? Don't bet against us or something like that. All we've got. Uh, hashtag something something. I don't know. I'm lost. Enjoy the game, folks. Bye bye now. Thanks for listening to the Football by Football Podcast. Football Insight by Football Players. Hi, Lucky. Hi, Dusty. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned.